Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Tender Loving Care with your host myself, Pauline, and my darling Kate. Every week, Kate and I will break down two shows from the TLC network. The name of the network that I believe for the longest time was an acronym for Tender Loving Care. And when I found out it actually stood for the Learning Channel and I saw the types of shows that were on that channel, my deep confusion bred this podcast. Each week, Kate and I will randomly select two shows to cover for the next episode by spinning the Wheel of Shame, which has only the trashes to trash to you. TLC and Discovery Plus shows that we will be studying. Kate, do you still like the intro? Because I get through it. Sometimes I'm more enthusiastic than other times. <laughs> Sometimes I emphasize some words more than other words. Sometimes there's accent work. Sometimes it's like I'm reading just the news. I, I don't know, Kate. I love it because I never know what the vibe is going to be. Yeah, never know. So you're always changing it up. Tender loving. Yeah, like it's, it's you Got change it. it up and it, I like it still. I do. Um, well, thank you. Uh, Kate, I mean, or, listeners, we're recording this on a ooh, Wednesday. We've got a lot going on, which is going to come up in the next, by the end of this week, you are going to be very excited to find out some other stuff that Kate and I are planning. As we said, this year is the year of the potty because on the 1st of March, as you can see all over our Instagram, Tender Loving Care Podcast, it was officially a year of our potty. So Kate and I have a lot of stuff that we're doing this year. And one of the biggest things is going to start this week. So we will tell you more about that um, via our Instagram. So be sure to follow. Um, But, you know, with that, Kate, with all the stuff we're planning with the potty, with actually having lives, with what's gone on this weekend, I mean, look, I know we've spoken about it a lot. Hey, I am ex- emotionally and exhausted. I'm like drained from this scandal. 
I feel the same way. I'm so tired and I was wondering why. And now I know it's because I was up till like one in the morning posting memes about it. And I'm like, I need to get a grip and go to bed. That's what I was like all weekend, (laughs) all weekend. And then today it's like every day we are getting more. So I think, look, the scandal broke uh, Thursday, watch what happens live, but then to the public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, we're kind of on the sixth day, sixth, seventh day at the moment. And what came out today, I was just on page six. And we have seen, and I posted on our Instagram, the black eye, the cut supposedly from Sheena, Shay, Shayna. Is it Shayna or Sheena? Sheena. Sheena. Okay, Sheena Shay. I think it's because in England we would say Shayna. She, I don't know. Sheena Shay. And, um, then people are coming out and saying, no, that's false, that it's like, I mean, she evidently has a cut in there, but she is now, as we've seen, the restraining orders come out against Sheena. So she's now like, won't be able to come to the reunion. Tom's going to have to come on his own, which, uh-huh. But I mean, there's so much going on. I actually thought to myself today, I think I need a break from this. And I don't think that's a responsible thing to do as a professional seasoned bravo journalist but kate it's a lot it really is and it it it's relentless like everything coming out all of the sleuths online all of the theories everyone's dragging up old interviews and social media posts and oh analyzing BravoCon interviews it's, it's just like it's a lot i feel you it is a lot and also Besides all of, look, Kate and I created this podcast as, you know, there's humor with it. We don't take any of these shows really, even though some of them are very serious, but we, you know, we, we did this because for entertainment purposes only. And, (laughs) but this is so painful what's happening and so many lives are affected. Yes, I understand the people in Turkey and Syria are having problems. This is is nothing compared to that. Right. But in this minute world of the Bravo Empire and covering it and and people making light and fun of it in a sense of, yeah, you know, Vanderpump Rules is back to how it was, which Kate and I are guilty of. We kind of said that too. Like it's back with the drama, yeah. back with that. Yeah. There's a ton of pain and we're all kind of sat here going on about it and I think especially if you have been affected by cheating in such a devastating way it brings up a lot for yourself I know it's brought up a lot for myself obviously making everything about myself um but it it brings up this stuff and you just feel a little bit you feel depleted because you're remembering like the pain of just one human completely losing their world that they thought they knew And then just then you go, well, it's all ridiculous. It's reality TV. But no, it is actually people's lives. But everyone's taking it too seriously. Are we taking it too seriously or not seriously enough? Or should we be discussing this? And the New York Times is covering it. And you're just like, I don't, what, you know, what's going on? What are we, what are we getting out of this? And our purpose with uh, Tender Loving Care is really to examine these shows and go, what are we, you know, we're getting anything, are we learning anything from these TLC shows and our Bravo is our world as well, but it's just like, is enough enough? Should we just stop talking? We're not going to, and the internet isn't going to stop talking about all of this, but it's just a lot of pain when it comes down to all. It's somebody, Mm -hmm. friendships are completely broken, trust, relationships 
houses, animals, like all this horrible, nasty stuff. And and Kate and I do this because it is something that we love. And we, like I say, there's so much humor in a lot of the TLC shows. And with all that this weekend, we go to our, what our Wheel of Shame gave us. was just like, oh God. Kate, I no wonder I, I've not been feeling great today. Guys, last week, it was once again, the Wheel of Shame is a living entity. It was, it predicted, dude. It was like it predicted because it gave us two shows, one of which was just about people betraying their spouse and partner. And we were just like, watching this, Kate, I just thought, I don't ever want to be near a man again thank you very much it's just relationships are terrible they all end one way they're all horrendous end of story that was it that's how (laughs) I came out from everything it is terrifying you never really truly know someone and you don't and I think that's a heavy week that's what's hit really hard with with everything in the Bravo world and then this and you and these shows that we had to watch and you just go you don't know anyone you see it all the time people you think are in great relationships it's not people are not truthful with each other we never that it's very rare very very rare that you will be in a relationship and this is the reality that you will ever truly know someone and I don't know what you do with that information I really don't know what you do with that and you don't want to be you don't want to be scarred. You don't want to carry on going into the dating life and meeting people and even friendships and think, well, I'm never going to fully trust you. Nobody wants to live like that. But mm-hmm. when you have things like that happen to you, when you spend your entire week reading about it and then watching shows like this and you just go, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to have any faith in humanity. That's exactly the phrase I was thinking. I'm like, faith in humanity is gone. I agree. And it just, I, I was, I got so into it though. Like I was so in and then it ended and guess what came on automatically. And I started watching it. The playboy murder thing. Didn't watch that. It it came on and I just like let it play for a couple episodes. And I had to just slap myself and be like, Mm. what are you doing? Like Uh. put something else on. Uh, I know we need levity we need levity so guys we're going to try and make this as light as we can even though we're gonna start off with the first show guys sorry we don't want to be downers here we know you're listening to this while you're folding your laundry that's the main thing that people do while listening to our podcast so uppy up 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 Kate why don't you talk about the price of glee oh god okay I mean it is a very depressing documentary, but I also found it very interesting. So there's a lot to discuss. This is how it's described. Uh, The price of Glee. Glee's cast and crew reveal surprising truths behind making the series and recount the meteoric rise of a Hollywood hit, as well as the tragedies of some of its stars. So as we were watching this, and it was obviously very dark um I did want to bring as much levity as I can so I thought what what more do people like to laugh at when they listen to our podcast than our attempts at being stars so I have a story about Glee (laughs) okay yes so evidently you know we don't need to go on about 
Kate and I's resumes again because we just bore you with the lists of the directors of the people we worked with of of our our stardom in Hollywood once again we walked away from Hollywood Hollywood didn't walk away from us um during my time um trying to scrape with my fingernails any type of acting career in Los Angeles um I was doing background as I uh as I'd said with my um other starring role in Sex Sent Me to the ER um I worked on Glee quite a few times actually and I have some interesting stories so Yeah. So when this came up, first of all, we're watching the story. It's a three-parter, we should say. And as you can imagine, it was it was about the the rise of Glee. It was about the loss of Corey, uh, Naya, and of Mark Salling. Um or Sailing Salling. Um, and it was the stories around them, um, and how they how they died, um, what working conditions. It was very very interesting working conditions on set the crew members that lost their lives as well there was that um it really was very 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 in-depth now um as i see it was for it was very very dark um but it also was fascinating because kate i had even though i was in in uh glee i <laughs> starring in glee um i had never i've never watched an episode of it it was just not my vibe at all did oh. you ever watch it oh yeah i watched the no, full first season i love really? i love season one i was in show choir i was one of these dorks in high school oh. and um i watched i think i watched the first two seasons and then i fell off once they started adding people in i was like all right forget it because i have I never watched an episode of Glee and it just was not my my vibe. I didn't really, I don't know. It was just not something I was interested in. And I didn't even know also that American, I didn't understand the term Glee Club. Is that an actual term in schools? Glee Club. Yeah, it's kind of old fashioned in my opinion. Oh. We we called it show choir. Show choir. Okay, so mm-hmm. what is it? Is It's musical theatre kids or not? Yeah, or so like- you're you're learning more of popular music for us. It was always kind of older. We would do, um, you know, like love shack and stuff oh, like God. that. Yeah, yeah. And you are doing dances. We were wearing, oh. we were wearing, we had these turquoise frilly dresses with sparkles. And then the boys would wear kind of like dress pants with a white button up and a vest, maybe something like that. And you are singing and dancing at choir competitions. And it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal. It's a huge subculture in high school. Like we would go to competitions. And I remember there was this school, um, Sioux City West, I think it was. And our high school actually hosted a huge show choir competition. Mm. And every year. And there were these bigger schools that had bigger budgets and better choreographers and more of a pool of talent. (laughs) And they would come in and just put on these fantastic shows. Like we were loving it. We were like their groupies and we were competing, you know? I don't know what to say to that because it is just, I I think that's probably why I wasn't attracted to it either. I, even though I was a theatre kid, musical theatre kid, I we didn't have that in England. There's no such thing as that. So I didn't, I didn't understand what this was. Um, so I was, um, 
I, as I say, I was background in quite a few episodes and I will tell you watching this was really interesting. It was all filmed at Paramount. And I remember there was some regulars of ours, actually one of my good friends, Alex, who I think may be listening, but Alex was a regular. She was on it for months and months and months. So she had a lot. I was like, should I ask her to come on the podcast? Because she has a lot of gossip about it. But um, just from my experience, I can tell you, I remember always parking in that Citrus Grove parking lot, walking into Paramount. And it's always exciting, whether you are background or uh, I was going to say, or a major star, but I have no idea what that's like. There's always an excitement when you go onto a lot. Like it is just so amazing. And with Glee, yeah. it was so big that I remember all the background people you knew when they're like, oh, I got Glee. Some of them were super excited because it was so huge. And I was just, I never watched it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm doing Glee. And I remember parking and going in. And I remember wardrobe was fantastic. And I had to do, let's say I was on there maybe three times. I think I did three episodes. And I remember one of them was on the lot. And um, we, it was, all of this, what they were saying on this was so true. It was such a long day. And I remember mm. we were doing a dancing scene with, I wrote down his name, Chris. What's his name? Chris Colfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was super, super super nice like amazing oh, good. Good. and I remember we were all it was like only like me and maybe like 10 other background and we were doing this scene where Chris was like dancing and we all had to be like oh my god he's broken into dance like it was really <laughs> out of control um oh but he was like god. dancing through us all we were all like yeah 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 but it, I remember it was the I remember the choreographer really really well because I couldn't stop staring at her she was a red-headed woman teeny tiny woman and I remember she was wearing fingerless gloves. I didn't always see all of these things always stay me. She was wearing fingerless gloves and she had this beanie and it was, she was so stylized and she was very aware of what she was wearing. Mm. And it was like one o'clock in the morning and we had to do this dance thing over and over and over again. And she kept like readjusting her beanie, but like always like super aware of like her coffee cup and like, okay, guys, we're going to do, I know. I just, amazing. I can see her right now. And she was an older woman and I just remember her red hair. And choreographing everything and that guy Chris was a lovely he seemed like a lovely lovely man anyway um that was once that one time oh, I did it and that was for okay. hours then I had my interaction with Leah Michelle yes I was hoping okay I okay every single thing that has ever been said about her being horrendous is 100% true yeah we were filming in a like faux nightclub scene and um you know they needed quite a few background for it and we were all waiting for her waiting for her and waiting for her and she came on and she was like right by me and I was like oh I was like I want to see if she's a nightmare and she was a fucking bitch I will say that part of my language but she came on and she had this draggle of like assistance behind her that just looked terrified carrying a you know a coffee cup and her uh uh dressing gown and everything and everyone the atmosphere changed immediately when she came Mm. on set immediately and everyone's like 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 everyone was terrified of her terrified anyway they were leading her um over to like start her number like near where we were and she uh, at the point it took ages to start she screamed at someone to shut the fuck up really loudly yep 
Nobody chastised her. Nobody said anything. Everyone waited for Leah. And all of her co-stars, who were big stars and main stars of the show, were just next to her. And she never looked at them. She never spoke to them. Tamara went on and she did a line. She killed her line. She killed her music. She killed her choreography. Everything was perfect. But she was a nasty piece of work to everyone around her. Holy and I just thought, shit. yeah, everything is said about her. She's a, just a hor- she seemed like a horrible individual horrible when was this in the series that you were that's on? a really like good point i tried two... to i know that it was before Corey passed away yeah because okay. i would have remembered i know he was still in it and i think he passed away but how many seasons do they do four or five six no they finished six. on six but i was he aware passed, of... but he passed right before season five Oh, okay. Okay. My other, my only other interaction was with Jane Lynch, who, I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you think? What do you think? She was an absolute dreamboat, but I had met her before. I remember I met her at my local CVS. This was before Glee um, because I I didn't watch, she was on it at the time and I knew Glee was big, but I was at my CVS late at night. She was buying cat litter in front of me. And I am, I know, and I'm such a massive Christopher Guest fan, like huge, huge fan. So obviously she's in all of his films. So I, I just said to her, I love everything you've ever been in with Christopher Guest. You're amazing. And she was like so nice. She's like, oh, thank you so much. I was like, oh, do you have cats? And we started talking about cats. She was a dreamboat at like 10 p.m. at CVS on Beverly Boulevard. And then when you saw her on set, unbelievable. Talking to everyone, crew, nice to crew, nice to background, just a professional. She was unbelievable. That is so good to hear. And it makes sense because she's still working. Not that she's a hundred years old, but you know, she's an older lady Mm -hmm. and she's still working all the time Mm. because she's amazing to work with. People don't want to work with nightmares. I love that woman. So her comedic timing is just, anyway, she was a dream. She was the dream. Um, but now, so the mini series kind of started, it was three, very, very heavy in the first episode about the rise of Glee, yeah. that it was just a massive phenomenon. And I, like I say, I was very much out of it and not really part of aware of it all, but it was huge. And they obviously focused a lot of it um, on the front end about Corey Monteith. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember when he passed away and obviously I was aware of who he was and he was one of those people that was an actor and in the spotlight that there was just never a bad word about him. It was yeah. only positive. It was always that he was a very gentle man and he was very kind and he was loved. And there was something about him when you would see him on interviews, he just seemed very pure and very kind. Mm-hmm. And what they kind of go into is that this became a success very, very quickly. Ryan Murphy, as everyone could kind of imagine, I have some stories about him as well, but not from Glee, but from somebody else, but that he is work you to the bone, like work, 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 because he's, I mean, you don't get to be the success Ryan Murphy is by doing it half-heartedly. You know, he is insane with with his work ethic and um, everybody else was working. And Glee became so big and such a cash cow. So they go into all of this about how it was just all of these kids or, well, young people just became so instantly famous. The fans after them, 
And then they were working. They were saying we were even working until like a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. when we would wrap because we were so big. And when, you know, shows go on hiatus, that's when actors can actually get a break. But they were then put on glee tours and they kept working and they kept working. So, so much of it, that was really interesting. And it's remember, it's not just the actors, even though the crew admitted because they interviewed in this, the crew, they interviewed friends. They were like, the crew was like, trust me, they were some of the hardest working actors in Hollywood. But also he said the crew and we're not the ones that get any of the recognition or the gaffers and the lighting and that. I mean, it the rigors like it is creating all these sets which is just like such physical hard hard work it was so interesting Kate it was I had no idea that it was that insane it was non-stop Mm -hmm. because like you said they're on the tour they're going city to city and that's on their supposed break and then they get back and it's like if you're not learning choreography you're recording for the album in the booth and if you're not doing that you're learning your lines and then you're filming and then you know it's it's just constant so these kids were worked to the bone ryan murphy wanted unknowns for this and i think that they talk about that contributing to some of the troubles that some of the cast developed because they were completely unprepared for this. They were thrust into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. He, um, So he's Canadian and um, he was dealing actually with like drug and alcohol addiction as a really young kid. Are you talking he, about Corey? Corey, yeah. Corey. Yeah. Um, so he ended up in rehab as a teen. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, mm-hmm. someone said, you should try acting. I think you'd be good at it. So mm-hmm. he goes to this acting school and he's a natural and um he he tells them i want to be rich and famous from acting you know i'm going to do it and so he calls the, his friend justin who's in hollywood i'm going to be your roommate and uh justin's like yeah okay what did you think of this justin guy the smiley guy you mean his main buddy that was interviewed yeah is this is this the guy that ended up being his roommate and then <laughs> i adored him yeah. I thought this man was so it, he ended up living with was I didn't write down the same it was Justin okay so we ended up right living with him and Justin said I could see the fame and how he says I'll never forget he turned to me and said I wouldn't wish fame on my worst enemy mm-hmm. because it every second we can't imagine we can't imagine what it's like we all think we want it until you have it and I think there are certain people that can absolutely handle it fantastically but the majority of people cannot I think the majority can't we don't we can't begin to imagine what it's like having paparazzi taking your photo about going to the supermarket you can't go to the supermarket because 15 people come up and ask for a photo and they'll be staring at you and they'll be that's just the beginning and the 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 people controlling your life and controlling your money and people wanting to be your friend and people coming out of the woodwork. There's there's so many elements of fame that you will never be able to understand. And Corey's, this was his breakout role. Breakout. And he ended up like this, like in one of the biggest shows in his breakout role. It it was unbelievable. It was, you you don't really hear stories like this anymore. He auditioned, in his kitchen with like pots and pans because he's a drummer and they were like oh he's quirky we love him he's six foot four he's handsome get him over here and all of a sudden he's famous he has these addiction issues in the back seat but he's like I'm sober now I'm sober now 
And he's just hanging out with either his roommates or the cast. It was mm-hmm. very isolating. Mm. And like you say, it, it got so bad with um, the fans. I mean, it's like a very small version of like Beatlemania. Like they're breaking on the sets. They're breaking into the sets. They're, they're stalking the cast members. They had to build a tunnel from mm-hmm. the trailers, the cast trailers to the set, a yep. wood tunnel because they were scared for their safety. I mean, it was, I had no clue it was this this bad. And we see them going, so they're talking about um, just the pressure that were put on the actors and the choreographer. And by the way, the dancers, all of the, we, they had a great interview with one of these dancers. And he said, we were working. They we, He did one example of like, they said, okay, we're going to do the entire Bohemian Rhapsody. And we, we're going to choreograph a dance for this. And you have a day, maybe two. That kind of pressure on profession, even professional dancers is unbelievable. So we're getting so much information this first episode yeah. of what the what the relationships were like. Then we start learning a lot about Leah. Now, I had um, looked and when this came out, this um, three part, this three part, I think it was last year it came out, it was not received very well um, because they said it was quite gratuitous talking about, you know, the curse of Glee and uh, it's its portrayal of Leah Michelle, but I think that um mm. look, what was uh Heather Debro on Real Housewives of Orange County's famous line, if everyone says you're dead, it's time to lie down. And um like with that's probably actually oh bit of a bad thing to say here but with Leah Michelle it's like everybody's saying she's terrible because she was terrible and people didn't want to work with those she was fighting with all the cast she was terrible to everyone that worked there and so I think people were kind of like oh I don't know if we want that but what they did go into was her relationship with Corey because she was in a relationship with him when he passed away mm-hmm. and I was very surprised how much they touched on a lot of people being like very quite obviously just being like well she was only with him because she knew it was good for the show yeah. and she wanted to be with make her fame but and all of the, and I was like ooh uh then when we got on to him passing away and they said yeah you know Ryan Murphy came to her and said we have three options here we can um finish the show now because Corey's passed away we can wrap up the season or whatever or we can get back to work or something like that and it, she's like I want to get back to work yeah and then she saw her collecting an award at the People's Choice Awards, like straight after his death. And, you know. Yeah. And then she goes on Ellen and tells it like it's a charming story. Yeah. Three weeks after the show must go on and we did it for him. And it's like all of these people are mourning him, not just you. And three weeks is not enough time. It's very, very hard to watch that because if it was just an individual choice, like I remember when my dad died and I was very young, I went back to work like the next week. I was a mess, but I went back to work because that's how I knew how to cope. But with her, she it affected everyone having to go back to right. work. And there were people on set saying that she, you know, people couldn't get through scenes because they were just sobbing. They were, they missed their friend. And, you know, she is someone that has a reputation because she is an I am imagine an extremely extremely determined woman she wanted fame she wanted to be on um on the stage she wanted to be famous she wanted money and she will they really painted her in this as she will do anything and keep going until she gets what she wants um yeah. so when it comes to his his death I remember 
he was only I forgot he was only 31 and it kind of says that it was getting the the fame the pressure everything was getting to him so much that he had Ryan Murphy'd seen something was going on he wasn't coming to set prepared and they kind of started writing him out and he went to Canada and he wasn't even in the show that much people didn't really know what was going on as viewers but I think his addiction was coming back he went to Canada where he was from and it's very interesting, he booked himself in a hotel and he was there for seven days. He died on the seventh day and nobody really knows what he was doing that set, those seven days. And I don't think anybody ever will, but he needed to be alone. And um, he was, the autopsy showed he had heroin in his system. And um, I remember his last tweet because after he died, I remember there was a, a really a comedian that I followed on Twitter and he had tweeted, he's like, I'm, there was something so poignant about Corey Monteith's last, last tweet. I don't have it here. I didn't look it up, but it, it was something like, I feel like it's snowing somewhere tonight. And I don't know why that was so poignant and it was so beautiful. And it was just something that was so gorgeous. I don't know what it was, but I will never forget that. He said, it, it feels like it's snowing somewhere tonight. And that was like one of his last tweets. And it was, I don't know, it was very, very beautiful. But yeah. um, I really, he was, I think what we gathered from this from everybody that really, really knew him is he was a beautiful man. And I think he seemed like a very good friend and a very good person. And like all of us have our demons, but fame was terrible for him. It was not, he was not one of those people that should have been famous and he was, and it contributed to his just issues with addiction and it was just not a lifestyle he could cope with. And it was very sad. Very, very sad. Um, what did you think about the hairdresser's statements at the end where he, he shares uh, one of the last conversations he had with Corey and he could tell that Corey had been drinking. And then Corey tells him he was at a party with a castmate. He won't say who. And then he says that Corey felt like drinking, but he was like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And the castmate said, if you want to have a drink, have a drink. I'm here. Nothing bad's going to happen. And you can tell the hairdresser really holds that against that person. Yeah. I, I, I listen, I think when somebody passes away, that's in the public eye there are so many questions and everyone is just the need for explanation of what happened is just insatiable and I think that Corey was a very private man and I understand the hairdresser and people being part of this yeah but let's give him his privacy and that I don't think that should have been revealed at all yeah he he almost didn't say it and then he did it was yeah I just think it's let him be. That was not how he wanted. But his friend, he loved him so much. And it was nice to know that he had really beautiful people around him. But I was I was so upset watching it just because you can feel something from someone. And I don't know. I always I didn't obviously didn't know him, but he felt a really good man. Like he just felt like a really beautiful, good man. And it just you get what you want but that's not really what you should always get. And it was very sad. Um, It moves on. They very briefly kind of go over Mark Salling because his story, and once again, I did not know. uh, I saw him actually. This is another story. I saw him at a Chase Bank once. That's that's what I'll just remember. But anyway, um, 
So his story was that he was on, it was very interesting, he was auditioning when he auditioned for Glee. He said he was 19 and he was actually 26 and he got the role. I was like, holy shit. See, always lie in your auditions, kids. Always lie in your auditions. Um, Anyway, so he came on and I didn't, like I say, know anything about his character, but his character was like a womanizer and always having sex with people and like the bad boy in school, I guess. Mm and there was there was one commentator on this because they had a mix of people on this. They had people that actually worked, and then there was like entertainment reporters. And I didn't like a lot of them of the people that were commenting on this. There's a reason why people, most people close to these people, really didn't want to be a part of this and these yeah. do- kind of documentaries. But there were a few. But this entertainment lawyer was really annoying, and she was like, "Yeah, uh, his character like knocked up someone in the first. She was an odd odd duck. But anyway, so." That was kind of Mark Salling's character that I discovered. And then, he, so the series ended the sixth season. And I think a lot of them were very much floating because yeah. they didn't know where to go from this typecast. It happens all the time. I didn't know that Mark Salling was actually in a relationship with Naya Rivera. I didn't know that. And um, then they they had quite an explosive relationship and she like keyed his car and they broke up and stuff like that. Then I remember it came out that he had been arrested for possession of pornographic images of underage children, of children. And he was arrested. And of course, that made massive news, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know the level of it because listen the fbi if the fbi is involved and they've been tracking and watching you it's not for nothing and it turned out he had over twenty five thousand images downloaded so he was arrested and i remember he pled guilty and he was going to be uh sentenced then he went to the woods and he committed suicide yeah and you know, they they talk about this as just, you know, it's very easy to look back and say, oh, someone had this or someone had this. A couple of people said there was something a little bit off about him, but he was very much like his character a little bit in normal life. And but this was nothing anybody ever expected. And um, and they so they they go over this very, very briefly, but they did show an interview with Jane Lynch after he had died, after he'd committed suicide. And yeah. she said it very, very well. Some reporter was asking her and she goes, he was a very troubled man. And um, I'm very sorry that he couldn't, he didn't know how to cope in this world or something like that. She put it really eloquently and very, very well, just that she was sad that this man ended up doing what he did for multiple things that he did. Um, So that happened and it was like, oh God, we're watching this. Then we go on to a crew member took his life as well on this, which we should really point out. He was working to the bone, um, just 18 hours, 19 hours. And his brother said, I really think that kind of contributed to him taking his own life. Then we get on to Naya Rivera. And this one, yeah, I mean, just after you've watched two episodes of this. Well, okay. Before we get to Hmm. Naya, though, I wrote down all these other ones. Jim Fuller, he was in charge of the background and extras, was 41 years old and passed from a heart attack. And then oh. there was a woman, Nancy, who passed and Paul, the weed prop guy was jogging and had a heart thing. And then Matthew Morrison stand in passed away. So this was what? One, oh, two, three, four, five crew members in this time where they were like working nonstop. 
passed away in one way or another, plus the three um, main cast members. So it's eight people that passed during and right after the show. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It made me think a lot about The Misfits, the film with Marilyn Monroe and James Dean, Rock Hudson, I think it was Rock Hudson, and all the three of them and how they all died. The Misfits was a terribly cursed film. And um, Marilyn died, James James Dean died, and I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Rock Hudson as well. Um, It was a terribly, terribly cursed film. And you can look into it like that and a lot of people I think they wanted this documentary to kind of have that narrative a little bit essentially it was a lot of people working on a show working extremely extremely hard a ton of different personalities and there were terrible things that happened uh with crew and talent yeah Naya Rivera that happened in 2020 and you know, she, I had no idea that she'd been such, um, she'd been an actress since a very little girl. Her dad was interviewed on this and it was interesting getting a family member. And the dad said that she got her SAG card, which is her union card, before she was even one. She was in commercial. She was, and he's like, we were just a working class family, but she just kept booking everything. And you saw this, these videos of her, she's gorgeous, gorgeous looking woman. And she was this gorgeous child and she just had it. You know, she yeah. just, had it she could sing she could act she could perform there's you just see some children and they always had it Mm -hmm. um and that was her and then she got uh she got glee and I remember her I never read her book but she had released a book and she had a lot of troubled times as well I remember don't, don't ask me why I remember this but I remember reading an extract of it and she said at one point this was before glee she was so broke that do you remember you used to be able to when you d- would deposit cash into an ATM you used to put it in an envelope I don't know if you remember that yeah. and yeah so she used to she said I used to put envelopes in the bank but I used to write there was money in there like a thousand dollars and then quickly withdraw it because she was so broke that she ca- she said yeah it was really interesting she used to steal as well I think she got like shoplifting charges it was really interesting and it was not you didn't see it from this because in this it was all like she was a star and then she became a bigger star. But her autobiography was very revealing about some very, very yeah. tough times she went through. Yeah. yeah. Um, And as we know, I mean, we saw her father and it was the story of her um, getting married that ending kind of uh, with a lot of accusations back and forth about her being violent. And um, she got primary custody of her child. She took him out in the water in Lake Piru, I think it's pronounced. And nobody, essentially what comes of it is nobody really knows what happened out there. And with that, there's a ton of conspiracy theories. What an investigator that we saw met that was a coroner said what he he went through circumstances and where she went I mean she did go on a boat on her own with her six-year-old child or five-year-old child and she did grow up around boats her father said and it was so eerie that she had been facetiming her father about going on the boat before she went on it and he was giving her advice about anchoring it and what they think happened is that her and her little boy went into the water to swim. Because she had not anchored it or not anchored it properly, 
the winds will blow so quickly, you in a different direction, and the boat. And as she tried to, panic always sets in, and they think she panicked trying to get to the boat and probably swimming against the wind, swimming against the tide. And even, like, I'm a very, very good swimmer, but even the best swimmer as she was, no, you can't underestimate the exhaustion right. of going against a current. And they think that she finally got back to that boat, which would continuously be moving. And she managed to get her son on the boat, but she didn't have any energy left to get on there herself. I just. I was crying. Um, Yeah. He talks about how like, cause it's the lake is surrounded by mountains. And he said the, the wind, you know, blows off of the mountains and basically the waves are going in all different directions and it's really hard to swim in. It was not, it was not a good swimming day because the winds were going at like 20 miles per hour or something. Um, and so, she, yeah. And her last act was saving her child. Yeah. You just can't, because you, you, you think logically in an, in an, in a, abnormal situation you think but surely she'd got her son on there she could pull herself up surely she could have done that yet she could have hung on surely she would have been able to do it but the factors of it is that we don't understand the level of exhaustion it's not like she just gave up she could have had a cramp there was a ton of debris apparently in that lake that there'd be numerous drownings in that lake as well numerous and we don't understand her leg could have got caught on something you know she could have been she could have had an asthma attack. She could have, there could have been anything. She'd have suffered from vertigo. There could have been, but she got her child up. But you, it, we just, I don't know. I'm guilty of you to sit there and think, but surely she could have held on. Mm-hmm. Surely she could have been able to, you would be able to get yourself out of that situation. But she just couldn't. And her body wasn't found for five days. And yeah, it was the father. It was very interesting watching him because he says it's all compartmentalized. Yeah. It's in a box and I can talk about it because it's in a box that I don't open. And that's yeah. it. And he went back to that lake. I couldn't believe he was filming it at that lake. And oh. so I mean it was a it was a very, very heavy three-part document miniseries. It really, really was. They went through everything. I, I learned a lot about Glee that I had no idea, the fandom. And it was really kind of besides the horrific deaths of crew and cast, it was really sad kind of how it ended. It was so big. And then by the end, it had like barely a quarter of the viewership that it started with. And it's because, you know, these shows just keep trying to pump out more and more episodes and seasons. It's like, let it be. Like, let it be. It's all about money. It was making so much money and they were trying to get to syndication, which you have to have 500 episodes. So they're just powering through seasons and episodes and moving at this really unsustainable pace for Mm -hmm. everyone because they want the big payout to sell it to some network, you know, and it, it just, it said a lot about the power of money in the industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People just want, they're just greedy kind of it's so yeah i mean so guys yeah it was not it's not an easy watch but if you were a glee fan i mean that would be a lot but it's just there there's a lot of sadness around it a lot of sadness um k out of 600 what do you what did you learn what how much are you going to give up 
I learned so much. I, I will honestly, I'll give this, I'm going to say 580. Yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 600 just because I learned, I didn't know anything about this. I learned a lot and um, yeah, it was, it it was interesting as well. Like you get on to a show like that, but you typecast, like, where do you go? That's what Naya's dad was saying. He's like, she was just, she's seen as a cheerleader. Like she's not going to get, she wasn't getting anything else. And yeah, it was. It sucks because she, she was so much more than that on the show. She, she, I mean, she was cast to basically be a background character to Quinn, the main popular girl, but she was so good. I love that part of it too, where she, she would find a way to make her lines really funny. She would, you know, she was just shining on set. So they kept writing her more and more scenes. And then she became a main feature of the show. She had this storyline with the other cheerleader, quote unquote, character. And um, it's two two girls and they're dating. And that's like a very huge thing to a lot of um, queer kids and stuff. So she she made such a big impact on the show. So you're right. It's it is really sad how after the show. They were just the phone wasn't ringing, really. Man, if you learn anything from watching this, guys, it's that fame is so fickle. And it's yeah. just, can I mean, I really honestly thought this was going to be a showcase. We were going to watch these three episodes. I thought it was going to like fast forward it and just be like, okay, that's what happened with Corey. That's what happened with Naya. That's what happened with Mark. Like, this is terrible, whatever. But I ended up feeling as though it should be some sort of warning to any kid anyone that wants to be come to Hollywood because even these people got what they wanted. They got what they, Corey got what he wanted, a breakout role. He became a massive star and it was just hell for him. And fame is, can be a terrible, terrible thing. It's like, be careful what you wish for. Really is. They end the, they end the documentary, um, kind of discussing the curse and and they're all just like there's no curse it's not a curse it's a yeah. coping mechanism it's a coping mechanism for the fans so they don't have to deal with all the darkness surrounding everything and it's a way to talk about it but that's not what it was and then it ends with uh with Corey uh getting interview and mm. interviewed and he's talking about how he's having such an amazing time filming it and mm. he said it's as fun as it looks mm. Mm. So, very sad. sad yeah um, so guys, we would like to say we're going to move on to a show that, okay, I thought this next show was actually going to be lighter. I thought it was going yeah. to be a little bit of like, oh, my husband likes eating soap. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, no, I thought it was going to be like con men. I thought oh. it was going to be a bit like, um, Dr. John or Dr. Whatever that, you know, that, um, podcast was, but this ended up. I picked like the two worst episodes. I went on and I just randomly picked two that I thought were going to be good. So I said, Kate, these are the ones we're watching. And I watched them after watching this and the weekend we had. And I was just like, I have no faith in anyone ever again. There's no one I trust. There's no one I believe in. Everyone is a monster. And I'm just waiting for all my relationships to fail. That's <laughs> how I felt. Literally. after this so let me i'll give you the explanation guys of what we are so our second show was who the bleep did i marry 
Kelsey, I've got to do some good voiceover work. Because, you know, with the flu, I was not getting at 100. Mm. I mean, still, Kate, my 70% is kind of 100 for majority of people. You know, like, right. my, you know. Um, but for me, I like to go that extra step with my professional voiceover work. So, <clears throat> Leah Michelle wishes. Mm, wish, but. <clears throat> Pull back the curtain on bizarre double lives and see the stories of men and women who thought they were happily married until the day they uncovered a shocking secret about their spouse. Ah, oh, add it to the real. Um, so once again, we talk about the intuitive nature of the wheel of shame. The wheel of shame predicted this shit. They knew what we were going to be dealing with with Bravo. And then we get these two shows that are kind of in sync about you don't know who you are. You don't know what's around the corner. There's death. There's misery. There's So... Who the bleep don't marry? We picked two episodes and I went through, guys, there's many, many seasons. I went through and I thought, this one looks kind of interesting. This one looks interesting. Um, I thought it was going to be like, my. I found out my husband was a bank robber. I thought, you know, I found out he was forging checks and that's how we afforded our lifestyle. He told me he was a doing this, but he was doing that. I thought it'd be like that. But instead, we... <laughs> Kate, tell us about the first episode. Okay, I thought it was going to be even kookier. I thought it was going to be like my, like very light. Like, oh, my husband is like dancing, like doing jazz dancing in the back room. And he's so silly. Like, I thought it was going to be really like kind of fun and funny Uh -uh. and no, no, no. So first episode, it's from season seven. It's episode two. Mm-hmm. Marissa Burke. So Marissa is or was an anchor woman. Mm. She was very well known yep. uh, as the local newswoman. Um, she did the six and eleven o'clock news. By the time she was age twenty nine, her career was going so well, and she just needed someone to share it with. Ah. So she meets Mark Kendall mm-hmm. at a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And he was a charmer. He charmed mm-hmm. her with his sense of humor and his career as an educator. She, mm-hmm. she and all her friends were completely bamboozled by the, they were like, oh, he's a great guy. He's the total package, of course. So they are very lovey dovey at first. They're holding hands. They have pet names for each other. Great couple. She has a kid. Mm-hmm. She continues being the main breadwinner. He's, um, moving up the ranks as an educator Mm -hmm. he's he's on the scranton school board they have another kid then um he becomes quote-unquote mr mom i hate that phrase Mm. i know Um, but professional dad or something right yeah he's he's babysitting the kids full time um and she's still working super hard and then things start to get weird as nini says things are getting weird so he starts going back to his alma mater, University of Maryland, to frat parties and things like that. Um, okay, let's stop. Let's have a little pause here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that there was the element of um, TLC or Discovery Plus doing the whole tell us about your sex life because this woman said like repeatedly at the first she's like oh we had such a good sex life when we first got together like yeah it was just all this prompting she's like yeah sex was great 
And then you could tell she was prompted again. Yeah, it was really great. Okay, we had a great sex life. He was very into me. I was very into him. It was amazing. It was amazing. He always yeah. satisfied me. I was like, love, calm down. We don't, we're good. We don't need that much information. We got it. We got it. Yeah. So, Kate, you're right. What they, they, you know, they're living this seemingly great life. They're the kids. She has a fantastic job. He's an educator. He's looking after children. Then she says, warning, guys, don't get a pool. Because she says, we got a house in this gorgeous pool. And when you have a pool, everyone's coming over. Sure. Listen, I live in an area in LA that gets extremely hot. So I pick my friends with who has pools now. That's it. If I just only want to be friends with people that have a pool, because you need yeah. a pool in LA, you need one. So anyway, so she's like, this is where it starts to get. It is a little bit funny. She starts going you know, we'd have these parties and we'd have everyone over from the neighborhood, grand old time. And um, what was this guy's name? Uh, Mark. Mark. And Mark, you know, he liked to organize, like to organize it. And he would start having, um, you know, a lot of young guys working at the party. And there was one time, you know, we had a party and the guys were all shirtless, wearing a bow tie, but I didn't think much of it. Mm. Right. Kate, here's the deal. If I'm married and my husband is saying, I'm going to hire the catering staff and they're half naked men wearing bow ties, I think a little bell's going to go off. I think a little bell's going to start ringing. May have some questions. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few questions. So Kate, take us into the frat house era, which makes no sense. No sense. Um, We're finding the levity before it gets dark, you guys. Okay. so. She, he keeps going and he keeps going weekends away. He's doing these events or parties or whatever. And she's like, why are you finally, she asked, why are you going, still going to these frat parties? You're an adult. These are young guys. What's the deal? Oh God. And he just completely lies to her and says, well, honey, I was the founding member of the fraternity. So I need to like be around. And She doesn't question it. She's like, oh, okay, Okay. right, right, moving on. And um, at this point, they're not having sex at all. She said said she would try to make a move, you know, she's kind of like roaming hands in the bed and stuff. And he would just turn on his side and say, good night, honey bunny. That was on her anniversary night. We get this massive, long, uh, unnecessary description. She's like, I put on perfume and I put on lingerie. And then I went into the bed. And even when I, like the way she was, even when I started to touch him and try to get him excited, I was like, all right, calm down. I don't need to, I get it. Like you can leave a little bit to the imagination. I get it. That's why he just rolled over and said that. So I'm like, at that point, love, really start assessing what's going on mm-hmm. and then it's all like and he kept staring at his phone the whole time he was always on his phone there the were email. young the emails, there were young boys that were coming over for tutoring but I just thought oh, you know I, okay I yeah so she's at work and she gets a couple emails telling her you don't know who your husband is he's having sexual sexual relations with college boys and she's just so embarrassed her i think her colleagues saw the email too yeah it was sent to like everyone in the newsroom yeah and so she just leaves work she's like i didn't even bring it up to mark because it was just so ridiculous and i didn't want to embarrass him what listen that is a pure case i get it i get it it's a pure case of i cannot let this be my truth yeah. I cannot let this be my world. 
So if I don't say anything, he doesn't say anything. Let's continue. Ignorance is bliss. That's it. I get it. It's not happening. Yep. And so then after the emails, we come to this, uh, this event. So one weekend she's like, I'm going to bring the girls. They have two girls. I'm going to bring them to my mom's. And he's like, great, 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 great. I'll stay back at the house. I'm going to get the the house ready for summer. You know, when you have a pool, you know, you got to get it ready. It's always about the pool. It's all about the pool. So he's getting it all prepped. And then it's Mother's Day when they get back on Sunday. And he's got the Mother's Day gifts wrapped. And they have a great day. Mm -mm. And then Mm -mm. a few weeks later, she gets a call from Mark while she's at work. And he says he's at the district attorney's office and he says to her, I may be in some trouble. Listen, no. Can you imagine getting a phone call? Nobody wants a phone call. Uh, At the the DA's office. Not just I'm at the police. I'm at the DA's office. Oh, I may be in some trouble. So he had apparently, well, Mm. he he did. He did. Yeah. Uh, he had underage boys over and they were drunk when they got home and their parents are like, what the fuck? And they tell them where they were. And this prompted an investigation. He completely lies about it. Still, he's holding to his lies. He says, oh, they wandered in. I know. I know. They wandered in and they just they were drunk before they got here and then they just lied to the, they're the liars they lied to their parents and said that i got them drunk and i did not they just wandered in here and i was like you know i'm an educator i was just like making sure they were safe and all this stuff so then this news breaks at like the competing news station mm-hmm. you know they're just getting their name smeared across town Mark gave these guys, these underage boys booze. Then there's this photo on his, he gets investigated about a photo on his computer. And it's, this is right after um, Ace Ventura pet detective came out. with Jim And he's he's always like in that movie, he talks with his butt. It's like a whole bit. And so his daughters, there's a photo, which I'm like, why is there a photo? But there's a photo of them like bent over with their bare butts. Okay. And they're not toddlers. They're like school age. Mm. And um, so, so he, they find that. So he gets investigated, gets taken away. He's questioned the, the girls get examined and questioned about it. And then he gets cleared of that. And then he pleads guilty to the alcohol thing and he gets 90 days of house arrest. This is when, when when he's home all the time. This is when she notices he's constantly on his phone. And he says, I was just checking scores. I, I mean, guys, it just goes on. It just goes on and on that he, they they then have a period of like, well, everything's okay. And yeah. da, 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 da. then it all just blows up. It yep. just all blows up again with it coming out that he absolutely has been sending inappropriate messages and having inappropriate relationships with children. Yeah. And the eyes at the house, they bust <laughs> the door open. What was the conclusion, Kate? Because I just fast forwarded the rest of it. What happened? Yeah. So it's boys as young as 13 at his little pool parties. He's paying them to cut the grass and do yard work, extra money if they take off their shirts. He's spending all of their money. He he forged her signature to take out a bunch of money from their retirement and stuff. 
And he's used that money to buy all these gifts for the boys. So he's coercing them by buying them video games, speedos, money, working out with them. Come lift weights with me and I'll give you a hundred dollars if you do it like topless, shirtless. And he's grooming them. He's grooming them. And he's like making talking to them about Calvin Klein underwear and it's it's gross it's gross it goes he, on and on he sends photos what was the end here um they found thousands of texts inappropriate texts there were 13,000 texts to 17 different underage males and young boys willing to testify um and she's publicly humiliated the mm. daughters are obviously besides them beside themselves and oh yeah this was interesting so So she, um, he goes to court again about all of this and the mom and the older sister don't go, but the younger, the younger daughter goes and Mm. she read a victim statement in Mm. front of her dad Mm. playing the court to give him the maximum sentence. And so he got convicted and he'll be a registered sex offender his whole life. And then afterwards, Marissa carried on. She wrote a book called just checking scores. And she, <laughs> sorry, and she, I know. And she worked her ass off and she put the girls through school. She continued to thank her. Yeah. It was wild. See on international women's day. I mean, we just need to shout out. We haven't even shouted out the people we should shout out, Das, Stace. But I mean, like, a woman like that to overcome the utter destruction and humiliation of a man is, like, just... Yep. Is he still in prison? Hmm. Good question. Un- unclear. Unclear. But anyway, he was an absolute scumbag. And that was just... Uh, that was the first of the show. So I was like, yep. oh, shit. Okay, maybe the second one's a little bit lighter. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. No, we should have taken some advice from people about which shows to watch because I picked another doozy. So this one was about a woman who got with this very, very, uh, uh, a bit of an older guy, educated guy, psychiatrist. I'm really just doing a brief on this because um, I made no notes. But um, she basically met him and he she he came from a very wealthy family. This was in yep. the Detroit, Michi- Michigan area, in, Mich- in Michigan. She was in Detroit and she was living, she told a really interesting story. She says, I was broke. I was living on a mattress in the worst area of Detroit with the crack ed- epidemic. And I paid $80 a month for rent. She says, wow. but I was going to school and my um, she met him and he was very well to do. And he was an intellectual. He was a professor. He was, a, I think, he was a doctor, and it was in psychiatry. Very intelligent man. She was very intelligent. He encouraged her get get your education, get this, get that. So she carried on doing that. Fell in love, married him, um, and she said she was. It was odd at first because he was so well to do, and and this family um, that she kind of had to fit in societally and things like that. So we go on. She's getting her education. He is. They haven't had any children. Um, And she starts to see one day he's acting very strangely um, and he's muttering things that that don't make sense. Oh, yeah. He starts dressing nice before that, though. He's like, he's like, he never cared. He's like an absent-minded professor type. He did not care about his appearance. And then all of a sudden he's wearing these fancy blazers and like grooming himself better and and she's like what's going on and he's like what nothing and then <laughs> listen everyone listening if your partner 
suddenly changes their appearance and starts to really take care of themselves from just being a regular person, they're definitely cheating on you. Just please know that. Please know that. Oh, and then she gets mono. Yes, 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 yes. And she wants to go. They're drifting apart at this point. It was odd, yeah. It was was weird. And then she gets mono. She wants to go to her parents' house to recover. Mm. And it's also his 50th birthday. Mm. And he insists that she goes. Go, go, go. So she calls him on his birthday and to sing happy birthday to him. And he's crying. And she's like, what's wrong? And I miss you. Or he lied, whatever. She recovers, comes home to Arizona. That's when he's dressing better. He's spending money. Mm-mm. And she's like, he's not a ladies man. He's bashful. Mm-mm. He's awkward. He works constantly. They've been married for 10 years. And he just starts working all of the time, all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. That's and, when she finds him. Yeah. And she finds him and he's uttering some stuff. And she finds out that he, they take him to the doctor. She calls the mother, takes him to a doctor, gets him evaluated. He's having a mental break, mental, they think. And the mother reveals he's actually had this before. So she's very concerned. Um, they're monitoring him a lot. She goes to the office that to tidy up his stuff and kind of see what's going on. And she finds out there's a ton of unpaid bills, even though they have a load of money. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I paid all of that. Um, I was going through all of his things. I would visit him when he was recovering. And he said, why are you going through all my things? Very secretive, very angry. I went through his office, blah, blah, blah. Then one day he just vanishes. He goes to the office and she said, when he left, I knew I'd never see him again. There was something that she said, he said goodbye. And I just thought, I'm not going to see him again. And he doesn't come home. And a search begins. And it turns out that this guy, this was a little bit unclear because he was evidently he had mental health issues, and I don't know how much. It turns out on his 50th birthday, we go back, he had in the middle of the day gone to one of the most dangerous. This is the middle of the crack ed- epidemic in Detroit, okay? Mm-hmm. Goes to one of the most dangerous straight streets there, meets a prostitute, has sex with her. Um, hires her, gives her money for drugs, gets involved with the pimp. Yeah. So and gets obsessed with her. Yeah. Yeah. He becomes like obsessed with his sex worker. The pimp obviously has all the control and power over this woman. And so he becomes involved with the pimp as well, giving him drugs because I think he was a doctor so he could prescribe. I think he was a psychiatrist. He could prescribe drugs or giving him money for drugs. And it turns out, obviously, the pimp is a very, very dangerous man. And he's getting more and more involved in this seediest of seedy underbelly of Detroit. Out of no, the wife has no clue any of this is going on. And when he goes missing, it turns out that this he'd gone to go and meet the sex worker and the pimp. And he had kind of started having words with this pimp, pushed him. The pimp got baseball bats, smashed him around the head, and then beheaded him. Um, it was all discovered because it was a big manhunt to find where um, this missing professor was. And this pimp that had killed him and beheaded him went to a friend to try and get rid of the body. The friend turned him in. They got the guy. They got the um, sex worker. They were put on trial. The guy very nonchalantly admitted to everything he did. The um, sex work was only a young woman who was completely under the control of a pimp, as they all are. And um, she was given rehab. She ended up, we find out later that she ended up 
rehabilitating herself and living a very good life and has moved on with her life. Um, but she was played witness to everything. Um, and that's was the end of this this guy. And you know, the woman was just like, I had I would never none of it made sense. None of it made sense. And I don't know, Kate, did he just did he have a break, like a mental break that contributed to all of this? Okay, I understand this because he they talked about how he was the type of person who needed someone to need him. So then once Jan got her doctorate and she was on the same level as him intellectually and with her degrees and her career and everything, then he wasn't interested in her anymore. And he was desperately seeking what she was when he first met her. So they call, they call the sex worker. um, Dawn is her name. Mm. They say, Don was a David Lynchian version of young Jan Mm. and Mm. she needed him. And he did the same thing with her. He was like, Hey, you're really smart. You, you should be Mm. in college. You should be in college. He loved playing that role. And so he was like replacing Jan with her, but then he just got dragged into this world and ended up spending 150 K on them. And he was ending it. He was supposedly ending it all when, like the relations with them when he went there that night. And then um, that's how he ended up, ended up headed, you know, and then we find out about Jan, luckily she moved on and she adopted two daughters. She met a man and had, and you see them walking in this, wherever they are, beautiful in the woods. Mm -hmm. Um, She's still working. She wrote a book, Um, obviously very educated, intelligent woman. And she adopted the two daughters. She had a husband now and a beautiful dog that they were walking. And you just, but Kate, I've got, honestly, today was like mental health day because after everything in the weekend and then watching this stuff back to back, which I shouldn't have done today, but I procrastinate, watch everything last minute. It was a big, it just brought up a lot of stuff. I think it brought up a lot of stuff, a lot of just not knowing people. How can you trust, especially when you have a podcast, we have to watch shows like this, that you and Dateline, we know what's been going on with me and Dateline. So Kate, I think I need to put Dateline away for a little bit because it's not not good for me, Kate. It's not good for me. My therapist had said to me, (laughs) therapist had said to me, you know, I said, listen, I, 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 I watch, you know, I was telling her about um, just the amount of shows that I watch that are based in criminal elements. And um, she said, she said to me very innocently, well, Pauline, maybe we should, uh, you know, why don't we try and stop? Let's just stop for like two days watching this. And no, there wasn't a discussion. I just cut her off and I said, I can't. She's, well, you know, maybe it'll be good to reduce the amount we're watching. And I just said, I can't, I have to watch it all the time because I have to be prepared. So I don't know what the evaluation mm-hmm. my therapist has of me, but I probably, I think, look, as long as I can mix in some family guy obsession with my dateline obsession. Yeah. We're going to be okay. I was going to say, you need a fluffy show. So I'm glad, I, I'm glad that you do have family guy. You have mm. Darson Stace. That's very mm. fluffy. Mm. For me, I have drag race, like all of the drag yeah. queen stuff. I dive into that. Shit's Creek. Um, what we do in the shadows. I boom, watch boom. comedy yeah. stuff 
constantly when I'm not watching heavy stuff. Because okay, God, I am. Damn. I just have heavy, heavy, and heavy. I feel as though I just constantly need to feel. Okay, this is turning into a therapy session, <laughs> listeners. You, you honestly, this is like Kate and I just having a discussion on the phone, and we really should not be doing this to you, listeners. But if you do want to know about more about my therapy sessions, we're going to add that to Patreon, and so. No, because there's a lot that goes on in my therapy sessions but um that's the ultimate patreon level that is ultimate yeah that's a hundred we're gonna do a hundred dollars a month for that one um but no i am look at least dateline has some fluff which the quote that we said last time when i heard keith morrison say and he folded quicker than an overnight worker at the gap i am never gonna recover from that we need to put that on a t-shirt as I, merch. Yeah! <laughs> we are getting our merch sorted, guys. I swear yeah. to you, we are. Okay, so guys, we're just going to shake this off now. Let's yeah. shake everything off because we don't want to bring this energy to the wheel. Yeah. But come once on, again, wheel. the wheel knows. I think the wheel is a predictor. The wheel knows what's going to come on. So we're going to go yeah. to the wheel now. And I think it's going to give us light and bright. Searching for Bigfoot. I mean, you know, Alaskan women looking for love. Every week I ask. Every yep. week I ask, Kate. Every week. Every week. Whew. All right, guys, let's go and mosey on over to the Wheel of Shame. All right, we're at the Wheel of Shame. Kate, any requests? I want Darcy and Stacey. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Uh, you should go over to Instagram. They just got some more work done oh, oh no hey okay. i just uh, i want something or or a silly 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 reenactment one something okay. like that okay i love this one that's just named awake surgery like how did nobody come up with a better name okay i want last one looking for love and i want the bigfoot so let's go right. for our first one three two one Spinning! Come on, wheel. I know you give us what, Please, not necessarily wheel. what we want, but what we need. Come on, we're going, we're going, we're going. And our first one is, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what this is going to be. It might be quite boring, but it's called Dino Hunters. <laughs> so listen, in my mind, what I'm uh, thinking it's going to be is people that believe there's dinosaurs. It might be getting L- Loch Ness Monster. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it may be a bit more sensible than that. It may just be like archaeologists. Yeah. Maybe just educational. But I would love it if it's a load of kooks that still believe there's dinosaurs roaming the earth. That <gasps> would be a dream. Just a bunch of dorks in a bunker. Mm, yeah. Yum. All right. So we're going to do dino hunters. And you know what? I have a little bit of a request here. I'm having a look at what's on it. Love mm. a paranormal. I'd love a paranormal Ooh. right now. That would okay. be nice. All right, guys, we are going to spin again. We're going three, two, one, spin. Okay, so Dino Hunters is our first up. And our second one up from the Wheel of Shame for this week is... <laughs> okay. Okay. Hot and heavy. <laughs> now, I'm going to just call it, this is going to be about extremely horny morbidly obese people and i think it's i think it's a tlc kate will you check that we have dino hunters and hot and heavy yeah hold on dino i'm telling you guys if i know tlc and i know tlc um it's gonna be something like that it's got (laughs) kate kate what is that kate what is that honky men who love heavy women don't have a fetish they have a preference 
Good. Light oh and bright. Like, what is Dino Hunters about? Let's see. Because I really want it to be about yes, Kookadooks. That's, that's so, yeah, that's on TLC, uh, hot and heavy, of course. Of course. It, I mean, does of any course. of us doubt that? Okay. Dino Hunters TV series. Oh, Montana Rancher blah 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 and wyoming fossil hunter buck the academic status quo by putting their money on the line traveling the earth and something something okay all right guys what i'm hoping for this is a lot of good side characters like you know i think these guys i love how these guys apparently don't have a fetish with the heavy women they have a fetish and they're going to be they're all going to be feeders i'm calling it right now they're all feeders um speaking of heavier individuals have you we haven't spoken about thousand pound sisters amy and michael is it true that's why i needed you to find out is it actually true i think it is polly because did you see amy's post today no it was like i feel let me pull it up it was like feeling free or something like that let me pull it up guys what we're discussing here is i had to break this to kate and it was not an easy text to send but it was a link to to kate to share with her that apparently amy slayton of thousand pound sisters tlc shining star has broken up with her longtime love her husband the father of her two children michael and it didn't none of it made sense kate okay yeah so it's her posing with her fake coach bag and her sunglasses and her purple and her purple hair and she looks great honestly and it says beautiful day to smile and then there's it's like her doing selfies it's a slideshow and it's like duck selfies and looking good are you and mike still together people are commenting Oh my god. But Kate, why would they have broken up? Have you done any research? Have you found anything out of why this well, may be? Well, it's supposedly because she got tired of doing all the work running the household. Like uh, apparently he j- got really lazy and wasn't helping with the kids and wasn't helping around the house and she was sick of it. Do That's- you believe that? I mean, he was always there to go and get her her snacks. He did get her her snacks. Um I can believe it. Because when you watch this season, that is a storyline. I mean. Hey, but he, look at what that man has done. He was always hardworking. I know that he worked. And I know that, although he was the one that was pushing um, Tammy in her wheelchair half the time, he was Uh always doing everything that Amy asked. I know. I know. It is. It's very sad. I'm really upset about this, guys. I really am. Um, Okay. Well, we... We don't need any more breakups in the Bravo no. or TLC world. Can we just put a pause on that, guys? Please. Please put it no on more pause. breakups. Put it on pause. Um, by the way, I just opened uh, page six and every, every, nearly every single article is about Rachel and Sheena. And she I, was, uh, I, it's so major. I have people who don't even watch Bravo, let alone Vanderpump Rules texting me and asking me what the hell is going on who is this tom guy why is he all over my news listen i've i've had to explain it oh you are doing the work i will not get into that i will not participate (laughs) if you do not understand the level of this then you better do the work 
us, we have watched these bunch of morons since the first season when when Vanderpump Rules was the snippet in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We had a crossover and it was yep. all Gina Shea and her affair with Brandy's husband. So, you know what? We've done the work for like 80 years on the show. That's what it feels <laughs> like. However many years it's been watching Vanderpump, we've done the work. So if you think I'm going to come in and explain all of the nuances, starting with Stasi and Jax and... I'm not doing it. You sit your ass down, get on Hulu, get on Bravo and watch it from the beginning. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guys, we are going to head off. Um, thank you so much for bearing with us in the show. I know it wasn't as light and bright as we want it to be, but listen, I'm sure next week with dino hunters and men with feeder fetishes, it's going to be a dream. Um, any suggestions? If you've watched these shows and you have any suggestions about or thoughts or theories, always remember that you can get in touch with us because we love, 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 love to hear from you. So feel free to um, email us at tenderlovingcarepodcast at gmail.com or um, straight on our Instagram at tenderlovingcarepodcast. So go and follow us there. We're not huge on other social medias, really. It's just Instagram, but we do, as Kate and I were saying at the top of the show, We have a big, big announcement that's coming this week. We're very, very excited about it. It's going to be more involvement with you, the listeners, and us. So we're super excited about it. So go and make sure you follow us, leave reviews, go to the show notes of this episode, click rate us, all of that stuff. Really, honestly, it helps us so, so much. And just you telling someone about the show is is fantastic. Um, Yes. Thank you all so, so much for listening. It makes us so happy and we love seeing the numbers. We love where you're listening from Belgium. We've got some new Belgium fans. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Whoever you, you are a dream. Whoever's listening to us in Hong Kong. I mean, you're all dreams, but Sweden, Germany, Hong Kong. I mean, Guam. Guam. (laughs) Guys, we acknowledge every single one of you. You know what I'd like to get to, Kate? I want to get to the level of a podcast when we start like calling you know some of these really big podcasts are like we'd like to say thanks to amy s from guam like i want to start yeah. getting people that will write into us if you want to shout out guys you know we'll do it because we love to acknowledge everyone so if you want to email us and be like hi my name's so and so from da 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 say hi to me bitch then we'll say hi to you because we want mm. to yes any cool. of our amazing accent worker impressions we'll mm. do it in that voice mm. so good <laughs> so thank you so much yeah pa- check out the patreon patreon.com tender loving care pod slash tender loving care pod and we'll see you next week We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.